Hello, fans. This is Justin Cox. I'm Tamara Kennedy. And we are here with the Between the Uprights NFL show. Well, fans, this past week was a very eventful week for football, both with stuff that was important on the field and stuff that was off the field as well. We've got a lot to get uh, to go over, and a lot of really fun game uh, games coming up this weekend as well. So without further ado, let's get into it. First off, did you watch that Falcons-Cowboys game on Sunday? That was one of the craziest games I've seen in a long time. I watched parts of it. I was at work, so when I wasn't busy doing stuff, I got I caught like the tail end of it. But what are you thinking, Atlanta Falcons? Not only is this your second 20-point lead blown in the past three years, but why did none of you jump on the ball? It's an automatic penalty on the Cowboys, and you're at the 40-yard line. Just pick up the freaking ball. Yeah. And even if you didn't feel comfortable grabbing that ball because it was because of the motion of it, you could have still knocked it out of bounds and still gotten the ball. Like, yeah, it would have been a penalty on you, but at that point in the game, field position does not matter. So why wouldn't you just knock it out and take the ball in the penalty? Right. And another thing, I don't ever want to hear any player on the Falcons criticize my boy Cam again. Ever. Yeah. Yeah, because they, they just did exactly what Cam did in the Super Bowl. Well, I've got some uh, stats for you mentioning notable Super Bowls that uh, will kind of blow your mind. So the Falcons were already known for being historic chokers for the 28-3 game. However, this one is probably more impressive. Coming into Sunday, NFL teams were 440-0 and when scoring 39 or more points and not turning the ball over in the game for NFL history. 440-0. and over the past 20 years, teams were 1,875 and six when leading by 15 or more with five minutes to go. The Falcons broke both of those trends on Sunday, which is just kind of incredible. Part of that comes down to not knowing that you could recover an onside kick uh, on the at the very end of the game. But a lot of this is due to systemic errors, I think, with Dan Quinn. We've seen this team collapse time and time again, and at some point it has to fall back on the coach and the culture that you've created as a team. Now, I do also want to talk about the Cowboys here because, yes, the Cowboys won the game, but what do we make of of, um, Jason Garrett apparently being reincarnated in Mike McCarthy with this team? I mean, they look like the same guys this year that they have been for the last several years. They didn't have any defense on Sunday. The offense took a long time to get going. They had two failed fake pumps in their own territory early in the game. I, I, I can't figure out this team. And honestly, I think the collapse says more about the Falcons than it does about the Cowboys. I agree. And honestly, if it wasn't for Dax legs, there's 28 points missing right there. Yeah, I I think he put his name out there to a certain point. I think he got his contract negotiations leaning towards his way. But at the same time, keep running the ball. Trust me, somebody's going to knock you out. Somebody will knock him out. Now, moving on to another interesting game with a team from the NFC East. The Eagles hosted the Rams on Sunday. And I've got some serious concerns with this team in Philadelphia. Oh, me too. It's not the, looking the pretty thing at all. Is, the thing is, they have no defense and they have no offensive line. And yes, Sean McVay is a really good offensive coordinator. He was able to exploit that. And yes, the Rams have Aaron Donald. But at the same time, those are things that you just don't fix overnight. And I think think that those are going to be two things that just completely cost this team this season. I agree. I don't know what's going on with them. Jalen Hurts got in the game for like two plays, but he played in the backfield and he played receiver. I think it's time to make a change and it's coming real soon. I don't think once is what he ever used to be. I think he had a couple good years and he got hurt. I, I, I can't put this on Wimps. I, I know what you're saying, but I can't put it on him when he's spending all day on his back. I, I think this is an organizational failure. I think the best thing that the Cowboys did, and it was really why Dak has been set up for this long run, was they spent like four or five years in a row just super heavily investing on the offensive line through the draft. And they were able to develop those players and make the best offensive line in the NFL for a period of time. That helped Tony Romo a lot. That helped Dak Prescott a lot. I think that's something that the Eagles have to make a point for the future with going forward here. 
I agree. Now, also, I do want to talk about Sean McVay being back, though. I have serious concerns with Brandon Cooks leaving that this Rams offense would not be what it once was because, as I've alluded to before in several different podcasts, this team is known for running 11 personnel with one tight end and one running back. However, McVay has been completely changed, and all of a sudden, he's running 12 personnel and really doing well with it. We saw Tyler Higby absolutely go off in the passing game this week for the Rams, and I think this is something where, you know, they, yes, they lost Cooks. Yes, they lost Gurley. But they're changing their overall offense of making it work. And that's a really good sign for this Rams team for now and for the future. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a lot better when you have two or three players sharing the load as opposed to putting it all in Gurley and Cooks. And that's why I think Gurley got injured so quickly. And I think that's why he's not the same that he used to be is because he got hurt and they kept putting the workload on him and he just couldn't keep up. Now, another interesting game that happened uh, a little bit later in the day at 425 was we had the Chargers and the Chiefs. Oh, God. Now, this one came out of nowhere. The Chiefs won, as everyone expected. But it ended up going into overtime. So the first thing I want to talk about here is the story of Justin Herbert. Now, Herbert looked really good. He did have a couple of rookie mistakes, but I think that that's going to happen, especially when you find out that you're going to be starting the game after the opening coin toss. You heard about this, right? Yeah, because Tyra Taylor had to go to the hospital with chest pain. Yep. And Herbert came in and played admirably. Now, Anthony Lynn still wants to start Tyrod Taylor when Taylor is healthy. So my question to you is, is Anthony Lynn on drugs? He might be because after that performance against the defending Super Bowl champions and your first start in the NFL and you only lose by three in overtime to the Chiefs. I'm sorry, but uh, Tyrod Taylor, you need to take a step back. Exactly. And the, the crazy thing is, too, when talking about this game, Anthony Lynn, on favoring Tyrod Taylor over Justin Herbert, said, quote, unquote, I know we can win with either quarterback, but the veteran quarterback right now gives us the best chance to win. It's not like we won the damn game yesterday. We lost last time I checked. Yet, you lost to the defending Super Bowl champions who, in case you missed it, blew the car out of the Texans last week. Yeah, and you held them to 23 points. Yeah. I will say it this way, though. Had they not gotten that big game from the Chargers defense, that game is not anywhere near as close as it turned out to be. I agree 100%. Now, that's for the Chargers. But let's also talk about Kansas City for a second. And most notably, let's talk about Harrison Butker. Because what he did (laughs) was one of the most clutch performances I've seen from a He hit the game-winning field goal three times. Yeah. Three times. First time got called back to an offside. Second time it got called. Uh, there was a timeout. Third time he made, and it seemed like every time he kept the ball, it got better. I know. What was it? It ended up being fifty-eight yards. Yeah, fifty-eight yards, I mean, which hey. is not an easy feat. Oh, I know. Ask Cody Parkey. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, ask any kicker in the league beyond Justin Tucker. Basically. I mean, him, Butker, and Will Lutz. Really, it's like the three of them are the only ones I really trust right now to be able to make a kick like that. You know what's funny? Side story, real quick. So I'm pl- fantasy matchup this week, right? I'm playing the dude that scored like 170 points last week. Going into yesterday's game, he had Josh Jacobs left, and I had the Saints kicker, and I still won. Wow! And I was only up by 11. That's insane. I was like, going into the night, I was like, I lost. I'm not even going to check it. I check it like at halftime. I'm like, dude, there's a chance I might win this. That is insane. I was like, whoo. Some 2 baby, 2-0. One, one of my friends was down like 20 points and had Darren Waller going against Josh Jacobs and almost ended up pulling it out. Yeah, well, t- Waller had an incredible game. Yeah, and Josh Jacobs just got completely shut down. I know, I loved it. Um, I loved it. I, I will. Now, I will also say the Raiders opened up that new stadium in style. Oh, so, oh yeah. Concerned for the Saints, or do you think it's just the Raiders playing up to their potential or just being hyped up for a new stadium? I think it's a little bit of both. I am concerned. I'm not seeing the same accurate breeze. Granted, Michael Thomas was out. You still have Emmanuel Sanders. Camaro played great. I mean, he's been playing lights out since he got his new contract, but something's going on, and it's not pretty. It's not pretty. Yeah, I. 
I don't know what to make out of this for the Saints because part of me's like, okay, yeah, the Raiders just opened up their new stadium. Yeah, even though there's no fans there, they're going to be fired up. They want to win this game. And in the giant Roomba, they want to win this first game. And so part of that, I do want to chalk up to that. The other part of me, though, really showed concern for the Saints on defense. Now, this could be just due to, like, you know, the Raiders offense being hyped up. But this is not something that can continue for the Saints. I will say, though, I noticed my friend I watched the game with pointed it out to me first because I was watching the Stanley Cup Finals because my Dallas Stars are playing right now in the uh, Finals. But he pointed out to me, and I started noticing it. It seemed like every time there was a bad play for the Raiders offense, they would throw a flag on the Saints. And the referees basically made it. 18 on 11. Oh, can we just agree that the refs hate the Saints? Yeah. Period. The refs hate the refs hate the Saints, and the referees have a different set of rule books when it comes to pass interference with the Los Angeles Rams than they do for any other team in the entire NFL. It's pretty bad. Also, can we talk about how Sean Payton and Jay Gruden both got fined a hundred thousand dollars for not wearing a mask? And they weren't the only ones. Oh, I know, but that's like um, those are the most recent, like yeah. Well, they both got fined, and then Pete Carroll got fined, Kyle Shanahan got fined, and Vic Fangio got fined. I think that kind of a fine, which for those of you who don't know, is $100,000 for them and $250,000 for the team. I think it sends a message. But my question to you is, why do you think the second time offender punishment will be? I don't want to find out. It's probably like $500,000. I'm wondering if they're going to go for draft picks. Ooh. But do what with those draft picks? Give them to other teams? Just forfeit. You have to forfeit. But somebody's got drafted that pick. We've seen this happen with the NFL before, where they players are happened a couple times with the Patriots, most notably after Spygate, where they just had to forfeit that pick. Interesting. And, and the thing is, I was talking to my dad about it tonight. The thing is, so these coaches are making millions of dollars a year. These teams with their owners are worth billions. Mm-hmm. And if you come to me and you're like, hey, uh, Justin, can you spend a quarter for uh, not wearing a face mask? I mean, yeah, okay, it's a quarter. It's not that much money. But if you come to me and say, hey, Justin, I'm going to steal your Xbox controller for you know a month how, because you won't wear a face mask, I'd be wanting to put it on and make sure everyone saw me putting it on. Right. So I, I think taking away a finite resource versus an infinite resource True. is – Something that is really going to be what makes these coaches pay attention if they don't pay attention. From but here's the thing. If they're outside, is it that big a deal that they're not wearing a mask? So part of it is, at least for me, part of it is that you have to posture and you have to send a message that, you know, wearing a mask is good. Okay, but at the same time, if the players aren't wearing a mask, because they're not. Right. What? Why do the coaches have to wear masks? Baseball managers wear masks. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure I've seen them take it off. I'm just saying, like, if the players are out there playing without masks and they don't have to wear a mask on the sideline, you're not concerned about their safety. So why is it such a big deal that these coaches are wearing masks? I think it could be for the other employees that are on the sideline. They're not with the coaching staff or the team because there will be field officials and might have me. They'll be on the sidelines. Okay, but they're they already don't. at risk. They're already there. The mask doesn't prevent you from getting the disease. It just helps prevent your germs going out. Spread of it. Yeah. Plus, the other thing is, too, what happens if someone has the disease, but they just it hasn't come out yet? Now, granted, I will say they the NFL has not had a single positive test for the, any of the two weeks. So not, not from my, players. My there have is, been. Yeah, my thought is they're they're good. Well, but still, you, I read somewhere today that no, no players or coaches have come out with it. But there are some maybe front mm-hmm. office people like five of them have came, came out with Corona. Yeah. So. I mean, that might be other activities they're doing outside of games and practices and whatever. Now, one last uh, storyline, at least for a game for this past week that I want to go over. <laughs> the Sunday night football game. We yes! had the New England Patriots and your boy Cam Newton he's, going to the Seahawks and almost pulling off the upset. He's back. Say, man, Cam look good. He is back, baby. It just proves, look, if Carolina had invested and gotten him an offensive line, how many rings would they have right now? Well, they'd have at least one against Denver. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Did you see that catch from Edelman, though? Just the throwing catch was amazing. I did. And, and the thing was, that wasn't just a one-off thing. He 
Edelman set his game record for a hundred and what, a hundred and like seventy six or something. One hundred seventy nine. And for all you haters that want to talk bad about Cam Newton, saying he's not accurate, blah blah blah. Forty five of sixty three for the year. 552 yards, 397 of which was Sunday. One touchdown and one pick. Cam Newton rushing, 26 carries, 122 yards, and four touchdowns. I think he's been way more accurate since he came to New England. Because he has the line. He's not. He's not. He's not getting pressured after two seconds and for, having to force it up there. And now the one thing I do want to counter with is the Seahawks through two games have the worst passing defense in the league by 120 yards per game. Now, I will say that is not something that's going to continue. They're not going to be that historical with that. But at the same time, they could still be realistically, you know, a top five or top ten worst pass, passing defense, which does – present cause for concern for me for the Seahawks team going forward playing against guys like Kyler Murray and Jared Goff in their division. But I will say Russ has been going off this year. Nine touchdown passes already. And did you know he's never gotten a single vote for MVP? Now that's going to change. But I do have a counter argument to your 120 yards a game in off two games. Mm-hmm. 397 of that was Cam Newton. So that's a big chunk right there. So that means, I don't know what week one did, but week one quarterback they played against must have sucked. No, it was like 400 yards from Matt Ryan. So wouldn't that be like 200 yards a game? No, no, no. no. They're the worst by 120 yards. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I was like, there's no way if Cam Newton just threw 397 that they averaged. No, no, no. They're the worst by that mark. Okay, okay. I was about to say, because 120 yards a game is not that bad. No, no, no. If if they were only allowing 120 yards per game, we'd be talking about is this the 85 Bears reincarnated. Okay. All right. uh, No. Uh, And have you heard about why Russ doesn't have an MVP vote? No. So, Chris Collinsworth announced on Sunday night that he had voted for Russell Wilson last year, but his vote was submitted late, so it didn't get counted. Lamar won unanimously, and Collinsworth has lost his MVP vote. Why? Because he was late with his pick, and you have to get yours in on time because you to be able to vote. Damn, but they did, you, somebody's got to throw him some votes this year. I'm sorry. Now, do you have any other loose ends or notes that you noticed from week week two that you really want to discuss from week two yeah uh the browns finally snapped get into the injuries before the browns finally snapped maybe maybe nick chubb and kareem hunt both had really good games mayfield did good odell beckham caught a couple passes a touchdown hey i i just got nick chubb i traded aaron Rodgers for nick chubb it's amazing why the defense that uh, why the difference it makes when you go from facing the ravens defense to the Bengals defense <laughs> It isn't. I will give it to this, though. Bengals, they gave it their all. Joe Burrow still looking good. Threw the ball, like, an insane amount of times last week. 63 times. Yeah. So, I mean, they almost fought back in that game. Yeah. I got to give it to that. My one loose note that one, though, is Josh Allen. In two games this year against the Jets and against the Dolphins, he has gone off. And I guess you could say it's the Jets and the Dolphins. Yeah. Here's the wild stat, though. Josh Josh Allen became the fourth quarterback. This is hilarious to me. Josh Allen became the fourth quarterback in NFL history with 600 or more passing yards, six touchdowns, and no picks to the start of the season. The other three, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Again, the Jets and the Dolphins. Yeah. I'm sure we could go out there and make them look silly. And that's. Yeah. But at the same point, the Dolphins almost beat them. Yep. I know Dolphins are going to be sneakily good this year. So I'm just saying, all those trying to say that Tua needs to start, <laughs> let Fitzy do his thing because he's always good for like the first four games and then he drops off. Let him have these four games and then let Tua take over. Okay, well, now we're going to shift from the smaller uh, pinpointed stuff to the bigger picture storylines from week two. And there's no better place to start or no more important place to start than with the injuries in week two. Now, there were some reasons for this, and we're going to discuss those. And then uh, we're also going to talk about some of the more notable players who did get injured. But I want to have the floor for a second and just go over what exactly happened So, uh, and why it happened. So, as most of you probably don't know, I am a graduate from the University of Florida in a biology pre-PA program, planning on going into orthopedics. So, this is right up my alley. And... What we saw on Sunday was honestly the 
biggest outbreak of injuries I can ever remember watching in one week. Now, there are several reasons for them. One of them is we had a shortened off season. So we had um, a comparison to this in 2011, which was during the NFL lockout. That year for the season, injuries went up 25% overall. Now, in the soft tissue injuries and muscle injuries, there were some interesting findings. Hamstring injuries went up by 44% in 2011 from normal years. And we had double the number of Achilles injuries in that year. Now, there are several reasons for this. One is that the players, whenever the training camp is shortened and preseason is short, are not having enough time to strengthen their muscles in their conditioning programs. So they're not fully back in the football shape when they're getting back out on the football field. But the other thing is they're not hitting in practice. Now, it's really easy to say, oh, well, you know, if you're not hitting, then you preserve your health. But it actually works the other way. It's just like in fighting. If you have more sparring in practice, you're less likely to get hurt. And I can say this as someone who played uh, football through high school as a linebacker. When you get hit more, your body toughens up to it and so you don't have those injuries and i think this is going to be something very serious for the nfl going forward with this season but i also think it's something to keep an eye on in the future because we have a cba negotiation coming up here in the near future and one of the things that the players have been talking about has been about shortening uh, the preseason if we short in the preseason, we're going to have more instances like this. So I don't think it's a good idea for them to shorten the preseason unless we want to see an outbreak of injuries. This is something that really should not be happening. I blame everyone involved for what happened, and it's really a shame. It is, because you know how many people's fantasy teams just got messed up? I mean, I had Christian McCaffrey in one league. I had Saquon Barkley in another. Yeah, I have Christian McCaffrey. I have the 49ers defense, which I'm now going to have to drop. Yeah. Um, I had, luckily, I got Nick Chubb. So, and then I dropped Grob Gronkowski, because that's a joke. Yeah. I got uh, Jonu Smith from the Titans. Okay. He's been going off. Okay. So, hopefully. But, hope you guys are ready to update those fantasy fantasy teams because a lot of you guys yeah i don't even know dude i saw the funniest meme i saw this weekend was it was baby gamora talking to thanos and she yeah. and she's like so you beat the jets and he's like yeah and he she goes what did that cost you and he's like everything <laughs> and mentioning that game of niners i do want to highlight something that came out this week the MetLife Stadium field apparently is not what as good as what you would expect. The Niners players submitted the complaints after, in one game, they lost Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Mostert, uh, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas. And um, Coleman. Yeah. And apparently, I said it was because the turf was not in any kind of a game shape and it was too, quote, unquote, sticky. Now, if you've ever played on brand new turf, you know exactly what these players are talking about. The Jets, to be fair, said that they were too busy getting their ass beat to notice what was going on with the field. But this is getting investigated by the NFL, so it is going to be a storyline to look into, at least before this week's game went, ironically enough, the uh, San Francisco 49ers play again at MetLife Stadium oh, God. against the Giants who just lost Saquon Barkley. And he's, I don't know. Now, to go into... A couple of the individual players who got hurt. We mentioned Saquon Barkley. He just tore his ACL. That's a massive loss for fantasy. That's a massive loss for the Giants. And it's really sad in real life because when you're watching football, you want the more explosive players to be out there. And he's one of the best that we've got in the NFL. Yeah. Him and McCaffrey both. And now McCaffrey's out for four to six weeks. Yep. With a high ankle sprain. And now that one's going to be more harmful in fantasy than it is in reality because I didn't think there were any real hopes for the Panthers team this season anyway. But it is worth noting that it's the first time that he's missing games in his NFL career. Now, a couple other uh, players to note. Drew Locke sprained his AC joint in his shoulder, and he's out several weeks. Did you see who they just signed? Blake Bortles. <sighs> Talk yep. about scraping the bottom of the fish barrel. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap, man. Well, did you see who they uh, tried out there last week and almost beat the Steelers? Jeff motherfucking Driscoll. That blew my mind. I didn't even I didn't know he played for him. <laughs> I, I didn't know he was still in the league. <laughs> Me neither. Because he sucked at Florida, man. I wanted him out. Yeah, he did. But... Hey, he didn't look terrible, but he's not the answer. No, nothing that says more about the Steelers defense 
that they somehow allowed the Broncos to come back in that game. But Driscoll's starting Bob, again this week. And without Cortland Sutton. Yeah, he's out. So, yeah. So, why do you bring him back right off injury just so he can be out for the year? Yeah. You should just let him rest, man. And one last injury to talk about quickly. Now, we don't know how serious this is at the time of recording, but Devontae Adams himself also had the hamstring injury for the Packers. I'm hearing. Saying, I, back this week, he was never officially ruled out for last week. But if he's out long term, that's this could be a very serious thing. I'm hearing they're hopeful he'll play, but it's, it's highly doubtful. And they are playing the Saints, so... That'll be that'll be a big loss. Now, a couple other uh, things for big picture stuff. We're two weeks into the season, so let's have a little bit of fun with this. We have oh, two segments. We have two segments to go through. All right. uh, the first one is what we're calling too legit or quit. What we're going to do is go over some two NFL teams and discuss if they are the real deal or if they are fakes. Um, now, there's some teams that we're leaving out of this discussion, a.k.a. we know the Chiefs and the Ravens are really freaking good. We're leaving that out of the discussion here. We're going to talk about teams that we don't know if they're really good or if they're just faking their way through it so far. Right. So, without further ado, the first team up, the Buffalo Bills. Are they too legit or are you quitting? I'm quitting. I mean, the struggle against the Dolphins that badly and you played the Jets. I think when you play a team like the Patriots, which I'm a Cam Newton fan, but even I didn't see this explosiveness coming. Play them, you play the Ravens, you play anybody else in your division, the Steelers. I don't think you can do that. I just, I'm a quit. I'm sure you're you're legit, but to me, I'm a quit. You got it right. I'm going legit. And part of the reason why we're differing is because you have a different view on the Dolphins than I do. I'm actually pretty high on the Dolphins team. I mean, no, they're not going to make the playoffs. But I, I think seven and nine or eight and eight is not out of the realm of possibility for this team. I mean, I think they're pretty solid. I think they're very well coached. And so I'm looking at this Bills team. I think Allen, Josh Allen has made a leap as a quarterback. I think bringing in Stephon Diggs has really helped him. And I, I think the defense isn't as bad as what is being made out to be. As the season goes on, there will be more cohesion with this team. And they, they were a top five defense last year as well. So... I think going forward, this is going to be a team that when they lock fully lock down that defense, they're really going to be a scary team. I agree. Well, I loosely agree. Well, second team um, here, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Are they too legit? Or are you quitting? Too legit. I mean, you got Big Ben back. He's playing really well. You have Juju Smith-Schuster going off. If James Conner can stay healthy, too legit. Heck, get my boy uh, Trey him and start. I'm sure you can do good. Two for two, we're disagreeing. Oh. I'm actually quitting with Steelers. Now, I do want to put a caveat in there. I do think that this team could still make the playoffs purely due to the weakness of the AFC. However... Coming into the season, there were a lot of pundits out there who were thinking that the Steelers team could legitimately be the third best team in the AFC and that they might even take the AFC North from the Ravens. I don't see that with this team. I am I mean, very not- concerned about what I saw last week from them almost choking at Jeff Driscoll. And I'm also concerned about the fact that the Giants were frisky despite the Steelers holding Saquon Barkley to six rushing yards. If you hold Saquon to that little and you still only win by 10 points, that's a cause for concern. And I'm weirdly enough. I'm worried about the Steelers' defense. Now, next up, we've got the Tennessee Titans. Are they legit or do you quit? I'm quitting. Again, I think it's going to be one of those seasons they're going to try to put too much on Henry. He's going to get hurt. Your offense is done. And without Henry in the backfield, Tannehill is not what he is right now. Now, I'm quitting on them as well. Now, the one thing I do want to say is I think this team will win the division due to it being super weak. And I have super in my notes in all caps. Super week but we have one team each year who has a really good record and then just completely flops in the playoff i think that's going to be the titans team they, ravens <clears throat> sorry they're, yeah yeah <sighs> they're two and oh but they've only beaten the broncos and jaguars by a combined five points that means they could easily be not even a fully healthy broncos uh, injury battered yeah. weak ass defense Broncos. Yeah, and they had problems offensively in the first game. They had problems defensively in the second. I don't see this as a team being able to fully put it together, and they're just going to be kind of mad. Yeah. They could end up being 10-6 and six or 11-5, and five, but they're going to be a team that when you see them on the schedule in the playoffs that you're going to be looking to bet against. Oh, yeah, duh. Next up, we have the surprising Las Vegas Raiders. 
Quit. It was a fluke. I think Derek Carr is playing good, but the facts, <laughs> I don't think they're going to keep it up. They don't have that many good receivers. I know they have Henry Ruggs. That's about the number one target. And I think last night was a lot of them wanting to defend their new stadium. So they played their asses off. I don't think it's going to be a consistent thing. I think they're going to play the Patriots next week and they're going to be slapped back to reality. I'm with you on this as well. I'm not sold in their weapons just like you are. And that's the same reason with me. However, I'm not just worried about if the car goes down. I also think if Josh Jacobs goes down, this team will go flat. Oh, yeah. And we had a lot of running back injuries last week. So I I think that this is a team that's literally one injury away from just complete disaster this year. It's going to be a complete combustion. So next team to go through, team up in your area, we've got the Chicago Bears sitting at 2-0. and up. Now, I'm going <laughs> to go first, and I'll let you take your take with what you've seen in person. Uh, I'm quitting on this team purely because – do we really trust Mitchell Trubisky? I personally don't. I think they got super lucky in both games. First with the Lions comeback, and then the second with Saquon Barkley getting injured. And I, I don't trust Trubisky at all. Oh, we totally agree. Don't worry, everybody. So <laughs> here's the thing, Trubisky. If you're listening, which I know you're not, but check it out. Why can't you do what you did the first half against the Giants, an entire game, and what you did in the fourth quarter against the Lions, the entire game? You can't play good. Three quarters out of eight quarters and expect to keep your starting job. Keep it up, please. They will put Nick Foles in and you will be an afterthought really quick, really quick. Please, either figure out how to be consistent. I mean, you're consistently bad most of the game, so I'll give you that. But, dude. Keeping it in the NFC, we're going to move to the West. We've got two teams at 2-0. and First one is the Arizona Cardinals. Why do you think of this team? Are they too legit or are you quitting? They're way too legit. That defense is still scary. You have DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, and Christian Kirk. You have Kenyon Drake in the backfield. And you have Kyler Murray, who's looking like Lamar Jackson out there running the ball. Way too legit. Way too legit. (laughs) I agree with you 100%. Kyler Murray was my preseason pick to win the MVP. He's looking like the MVP for two weeks. The rest of the team around him is looking really strong as well, which was a major concern coming into the season. I didn't know if they had the talent around Kyler, especially on the offensive line and on the defense, which are the two things that are killing the Philadelphia Eagles right now um, <laughs> to be able to be a good team. And I, I'm sold on this Cardinals team. They are looking really good. Hell yeah. And the last team to talk about it 2-0, and the Los Angeles Rams. Why do you think of them? I want to say too legit. I don't know how they're doing it. I know you said, I think it's the swapping people in and out, but it's working. I yeah. mean, I didn't think the Eagles were going to lose two in a row, but the Rams shut me up real quick. I, yeah. Yeah. Good. I think golf is actually playing really good. I way out blew my expectations already. So I, I mentioned, I think they make the playoffs. I don't think they make a deep run in it because you got to go through Kansas City. And I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I, I'm going with Rams as well. I, I think they're too Legit. Uh, now, I will say this team has no depth and the team in the season that's having a lot of injuries has a cause for concern. But the talent on their top line is solid. And McVay has completely revitalized his entire offensive scheme. This offense is back and it's looking scary. Jared Goff looked like he did two years ago and not like the guy that he did last year. I'm, I'm sold on this Rams team. Mm-hmm. Now, moving from too legit to quit to rebound or drown. Now, We've got a bunch of teams in the league that are 0-2. Question is, are these teams dead in the water? Or do you think they beat the odds and they're in the 10% of teams that start 0-2 and make the playoff? Now, there are some teams we're cutting out of this as well, a.k.a. we know the Lions suck. (laughs) We know the Bengals, like Joe Burrow, are not going to make the playoffs this year. So, first game we'll want to talk about, the Houston Texans. Do you think this is a team that is capable of rebound? Or do you think they're going to drown in Bill O'Brien's misery? I think they're capable. I think it's highly unlikely, though, because of who they have to play. But I think they have a shot. Out of these teams, I think they have the biggest shot. No, they have the second biggest shot. So for me, I'm saying that this is a team that rebounds. The AFC this year is seeming like it's super weak and it's going to be hard to get to seven playoff teams. They also got a really rough break to start. I'm sorry, but starting with Kansas City and Baltimore should be illegal. Like <laughs> it should it should literally be illegal for DeAndre Hopkins to make the schedule for his former team. <laughs> right? It, it, things can literally only go up from here. He's like, oh, you want to trade me away for peanuts? Watch this. Yeah. And they still have a legitimate top-notch quarterback. I still think they have good weapons. And as bad as Bill O'Brien is as GM, I think he's still a good head coach. And they have J.J. Watt. Yeah, so I I think this Texas team is going to rebound. And moving on to a team we briefly discussed earlier, Denver Broncos are sitting at 0-2 as well. Do you think they're going to rebound or do you think they're going to drown? 
drown. They've lost way too much. There's no coming back from that. And I'm sorry, but Jerry Judy's not going to be able to carry that team. So, no. Beyond that, I'm concerned about them having the Chiefs in the division, but also the Raiders and Chargers looking better than I expected. Yeah. So, not only is their division tough, their cross-divisional play is really tough as well because guess what division they have from the NFC? New England? The NFC. From the NFC. Oh, Saints. The NFC South. Saints. So that means they get to play New Orleans, Tampa Bay, and Atlanta. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah, bye. Bye-bye. Moving to the NFC. Oh, God. We're going to talk about first the Philadelphia Eagles. Do you think they're going to rebound or do you think they're going to drown? I'm going to go drown. I don't know what the hell is going on with this team, but it's exploding before ours. Your running back injuries proving crucial. Your offensive and defensive line issues are not helping you at all. I don't know what the heck has happened to Zach Ertz and and Carson Wentz, but they're non-existent. So I, I'm with you. I'm saying they're going to drown. They have no offensive line and they have no defense. And those are two things that just do not get better as the year goes along usually. I mean, this year might be a little bit different, but because of COVID and shortened preseason and what have you, but I, I'm not sold on this team. And even if the defense comes together, I don't see this offensive line coming together. Carson Wentz cannot win you games when he is spending all day on his back. And I, I'm really worried about this Eagles team. I, I think they're going to be the big flop team this year. Oh, yeah. And you know what's funny? They were predicted to have the best record in the NFL before the season. Yeah, yeah. So is what you know, experts. Sorry. Had to get that yeah, out there. Yeah. Keeping it with the bird teams in the NFC, the Atlanta Falcons. Where do you sit on them? Do you think they're going to rebound or do you think they're going to ground? You skipped one, sir. I'm going back to it. Okay. I think they rebound. I think that offense is way too talented. And I honestly, they beat themselves last week. If they weren't so stupid, they would have won that game. I think they're going to drown, personally, because. Oh, I like a little disagreement. Yeah, here's the thing. So, Atlanta, I think they've got serious cause for concern with their defense. No, oh, you're right. They have what, in my opinion, is probably the second worst defense in the league, second or third. It's really bottom five. And the biggest concern with that is that they have defensive playmakers. They have Grady Jarrett. They have Tack McKinley. They have Keanu uh, Neal, Desmond Trufant. They have guys that have made Pro Bowls. So if you're a bottom five defense and you've got Pro Bowlers, I mean, Deion Jones at linebacker, you've got Pro Bowlers at every level of the defense, you've got some serious issues. And the worst thing for this team is they have a super tough division. They have a wild card competition versus the NFC West. And I honestly think this is a team that's destined for 500. I have them just barely out of the playoffs. I think that had they won against the Cowboys, they'd be able to be 9-7 and seven or barely maybe sneak in. But I think the, the biggest thing that hurts them is I think that the – Cardinals are better. I think the Seahawks are better. I think the Rams are better. And so it's basically just them having the chance to come for that second seed or seventh seed. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. It's going to be close. But I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. They're going to get everyone they can get and tossing games away like they're doing against Dallas. Isn't going to be how you do it. I have a question. What happened? Yeah. So your their defense shut them out in the first half and then gave up 40 points or first quarter? I mean, it was 20 to nothing, so you were doing good. What the fuck happened? Yeah, I there are so many things with that game that have questions and just no answers, and that's one of them. Like, way to play to lose, not to lose again. I think there are some serious institutional issues. Yeah, I think so. And, and really, here's the other thing, too. I think that that final wild card spot is going to come down between them and the Tampa Bay Bucks. And while Tom Brady has not looked like Brady last week, we saw that running game get going. Leonard Fournette was the number two running back in fantasy last week. If this this team that, in my opinion, is what they should do, starts shifting away from that pass-happy, you know, spread offense and goes more to a power running scheme, build off the play action of traditional West Coast offense. This team is probably going to lift their ceiling by about two wins. Yeah. So I think they're going to just barely mess up. And the last team we have to go over is up in the north in the NFC, the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> We got some funny stuff on this, I'm sure. Do you think they're going to rebound or do you think they're going to drown? I've said it a thousand times and I'll say it a thousand times more. Kirk Cousins sucks. 
No. Do you know what his quarterback rating was in the third quarter against the Colts? Uh, probably single digits. 0. 0.0. Uh, because he threw three picks. Three quarters of the game. He threw three he picks. Zero point zero QBR. Yeah. How many times I have to say he sucks? QBR for the game was fifteen point nine. Worth noting, if you just spike the ball into the ground, you have a thirty-eight point three rate. <laughs> hold on, hold on. He threw for one hundred and thirteen yards and three picks. Yeah. <laughs> You let old poppy Philip Rivers walk all over you guys. Jonathan Taylor, though. Hold on. I told you you could do it. Yeah, it's going to be good. But yeah, I, I'm I'm really worried about this Vikings team because for two reasons. One, as you alluded to, Kirk Cousins is just looking abysmal this year. And he is also notably not clutch. Look at his Monday night football record for or primetime football. Oh, record. I know. And the other thing is the way that this team has always won has been through the running game and the defense. Well, if you all of a sudden no longer have a defense, that's kind of a problem. And they've got gouged by Aaron Rodgers, which, yeah, is Aaron Rodgers. That's going to happen sometimes. He's going to just – Yeah, but at least the offense was there. But he also allowed Phillip Rivers to light them up. I'm sorry. If a washed-up Phillip Rivers who can't beat the Jaguars is lighting you up, you got problems. And you know who they play next week? NFC Titans. Yeah. So, Ryan Tannehill, 40, 47 of 67, 488 yards and six touchdowns for the year. Kirk Cousins, 30 of 51, 372 yards, two touchdowns, four interceptions. Well, thanks for uh, joining us for the two segments. And now we've got the stuff that's really going to be fun, our game picks. Oh, the last one's going to be hella fun. Yeah. And this week in particular, we've got some really, really, really fun action for you. This is probably the best game slate we've seen this season. It's probably going to be one of the best that we get for the entire season Starting off with the Houston Texans are traveling to the Pittsburgh Steelers, two teams we've talked about earlier. Who do you think ends up winning this one? I think the Texans bounce back. I think, like you said, the Steelers defense has some concern. You can stop David Johnson all you want, but if you can't stop uh, Deshaun Watson from throwing the ball, you're not going to win that game. I've got the Texans as well, as you alluded to. The Steelers nearly choked to Jeff Driscoll. I just kind of need to set in for a second. They nearly choked to Jeff Driscoll. Yeah. And the Texans need to rebound hard after those two losses to the Chiefs and Ravens, which, let's be honest, no one's blaming them for that. They are going to be needing to rebound, and the uh, Texans are, at least on paper, way better than the Giants and the Broncos. I think they get to one and two here. I think they rebound. Yeah. Now, moving it to your local team, the Bears are traveling to Atlanta to face the Falcons. Who do you think ends up winning this do you trust the Falcons defense or Mitchell Trubisky more Falcons defense <laughs> and that's saying something because they both suck I'm with you um no the Bears will not be undefeated after this week I'm sorry I think Trubisky throws three picks and honestly if he's benched by halftime I'm not surprised it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a slaughterhouse the thing is I, I'm with you I just had a, a rant on how bad the Falcons defense is and yeah I still trust him more than Mitchell Trubisky which says everything you need to know about Mitchell Trubisky this is as you just said quite possibly the game where Nick Foles comes in or if it's not not during this game it'll be after yeah I, I trust this Falcons team to get a stop before I trust Trubisky and the reason why is because as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, at least the Falcons shut out the Cowboys for a quarter. Yeah. Like, like Trubisky, his only highlight in the past several years has been lighting up the, D- the Detroit Lions for one quarter. I'm sorry, I, 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 I'm I, I'm out on the Bears. I'm not picking them to win this game. Now, in a really interesting co- uh, cross-conference game, we've got the Rams traveling to Buffalo to face the Buffalo Bills. Now, it is worth noting nobody circles the wagons quite like the Buffalo Bills. Do you think they get the win here, or do you think the Rams end up stealing it? I'm torn. I think the Bills are going to have a good game after almost giving it up to the Dolphins. But this Rams team keeps proving me wrong. So I think I'm going to go Rams. I think it's going to be a three-point game, though. I got to be honest, this was the hardest game of the week for me, Pip. And that says something given how good the game slate is, especially for the primetime games. <laughs> I, I, I could not decide on this game. I, I, I will say, the one thing that gives me hope, the Rams are deeper than the Bills. And the defense is better. And they also have the same record that the Bills do against better teams because, let's be honest, the Cowboys and the Eagles, despite their issues, are still better than the Jets and the Dolphins. Yeah. 
This will be the first test, really, for Josh Allen this season. Meanwhile, Jared Goff and Sean McVay, as a duo, have gone through multiple trials and tribulations. This will be nothing for them to get up, while it will be for Josh Allen. I, I like this Bills team, but I've got the Rams by a hair. Moving in New England to an interesting, really interesting battle, but... Las Vegas Raiders are leaving the giant room, but to travel to New England. Hey, I know you're a Cam fanboy. You got them winning, or do you think the Raiders end up stealing it? Well, I think the Patriots win it. As we all saw last week, Cam Newton is not playing around this year. He's making all those receivers that everybody said they had a really crappy receiving core look amazing. And the run game is ridiculous. New England has not seen an offense like this in the past 20 years because Brady cannot run the ball. When you have to when you have to pull out a calendar to time Tom Brady's 40-yard dash, you're not running the ball with the quarterback. I, I've got the Patriots as well. I think as we've discussed plenty, they are looking way better than anticipated this season. And... Despite that, they haven't made their statement yet. This is where they make their statement. This is where they truly put back on the map and say, yeah, we lost Tom, but who cares? Patriots are going to win. I think they're going to do it in style. Now, the marquee matchup before the primetime games, the Dallas Cowboys are traveling to Seattle to face the Seahawks at CenturyLink Field. Too bad the 12th man won't be there because I think that could play a difference in this game. But who do you think ends up winning, Seattle or Dallas? Seattle. Russell Wilson's playing out of his mind. I don't trust Dallas's defense after putting up giving up 39 points to the Falcons. And I don't trust Dallas's offense that much after getting basically shut down by the Rams. And if it wasn't for Dak's legs, they wouldn't have won last game. And Seattle's not going to let him run. Uh, they let Cam Newton score twice, and they shut him down when it counted. So I've got the Seahawks as well. The pass defense is rough right now, but they're a more complete team overall because they can win through the air. They can win on the ground. And I'm not sold 100% on this Dallas team. The other thing is, too, everything about components of this game really scares me about Dallas. For one, Mike McCarthy is looking like Jason Garrett, and who would we pick to win this game if Jason Garrett was coaching? Second, yeah, exactly. Second, the Cowboys have had really bad luck against the Seahawks when they played each other. Most notably, I can think of was the playoffs in what was it, 2006, 2007, when Romo couldn't get the hold down. It seems like every time these two teams play, the Seahawks end up winning. On top of that, it's not like Mike McCarthy had any luck beating the Seahawks when he was coaching Green Bay. <laughs> I think it's just something with the voodoo with the Seahawks here against both of against every possible combination you can think of between Dak, the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy, everything that just tells me that if we're going by the trends, the Seahawks are going to end up winning this game. Yeah. Now, moving to the Sunday night primetime game, we have the Green Bay Packers playing at the New Orleans Saints in what looks like, quite possibly after two weeks, an NFC title game preview. Who do you think ends up winning in the Dome? I'm going to go Saints. I think they need to bounce back after this loss to the Raiders. And with Devontae Adams being questionable, I don't think Aaron Jones can win the game with just his legs. I agree with you here for what you said. Also, I think even if Devontae Adams plays, I just think the Saints are the better team. And with them having more motivation to win this game, being the better team is going to count for something. It's going to be close. It's going to be a dogfight. It's definitely going to be one to make sure that you're in front of a TV for the whole game for. But I think this is one that the Saints end up taking. And finally, moving to Monday night football. The one time Monday night football is actually better than Sunday night football somehow. The Kansas City Chiefs are playing at the Baltimore Ravens in what we can promise will be a preview of the AFC Championship game. Who do you think ends up winning in Baltimore? I gotta stick with much. I gotta stick with the Chiefs, man. I think Patrick Mahomes always shows up in the big games. That offense is still scary, and the, the Chiefs have finally have established somewhat of a run defense so i think they're going to keep putting qb spies on lamar jackson all day long and they're, they're going to they're going to make him try to win the game with his legs and in the end if you have to pick lamar jackson's legs or patrick mahomes arm i'm going with mahomes arm well as one of my heroes who i've seen multiple times live would say lee corso not so fast my friend <laughs> no you did it the rate i'm going with the ravens here they were beaten by the chiefs last season 
And after the playoff loss and that loss in the season, they need to prove that this team is legit because I think there's still a lot of damage out there. And through two weeks, they have just been clicking on all cylinders. We've seen hiccups with the Chiefs. We have not seen a single hiccup from this Ravens team. I think it's going to be close, but I've got the Ravens by a hair. Well, that is your opinion. You are entitled to it. Now, moving forward to our last little bit for the week, we have our Gambler's Corner. You got no What does your slip look like? I have the Falcons over the Bears, the Pats over the Raiders, the Seahawks over the Cowboys, and Chiefs over Saints. I'm going to be optimistic here. Wait, wait. Chiefs over Saints? No, Ravens. My bad. I read two lines at the same time. Shoot me. You're good. For me, I'm going with a couple of interesting picks. The first one is just a straight up pick. I'm going with the Titans to beat the Minnesota Vikings. I'm kind of got a meh opinion on the Titans this year. That's a lot better when I think about the Vikings. Your odds here are 5 to 7, so if you place a $5 bet, you're winning $3.57. Decent. I mean, you're not returning full value there, but it's close enough to be worth it. The second bet I'm going to put is I've got Washington plus 7 against Cleveland. Now, that'll put you, because that's where the game line ends, at 10 to 11 odds. So you'd win uh, $4.54 on a $5 bet. Now, I want to say here, I do think Cleveland is the better team. But I also think that if you're betting seven points, the worst-case scenario is a push where you get your money back. Now, if you're willing to buy a half a point, I would advise moving to seven and a half if you don't want to push. Because I think this is going to be a close game comes down to the end. Either Washington is going to end up winning it or the or Cleveland's going to end up winning by one score. And so I think that is a surefire bet for this week. And then I also have finally a teaser parlay for you. Now, last week I hit on one of my parlays. The other parlay I would have hit on if I would have played the smart thing and I didn't. What I decided to do is I teased the Chiefs down from eight and a half to four and a half. However, as that went through the seven, I didn't go through the three. And what that means is the, the Chargers, had they won, I would have lost it either way. But the Chiefs still needed to win by more than three points. Now, it's very unlikely that the game is decided by two points or by one point. However, if you bet through the three, what they call it, and you bet a line down to a plus two and a half or a minus two and a half, you're basically getting the pick them line, but you're getting better odds on it. So I'm going to consider that this week. I'm going to tease the Colts down to two and a half from 11, an 11 point favorite against Jet. And we're going to tease the Cardinals against the Lions from six points down to two and a half. So with those two teams parlayed or those two games parlayed, I have 0.83 to one odds, meaning that I win $4.16 on a $5 bet. So those are my bets. I have the Titans over the Vikings. I have Washington covering the spread against Cleveland. And I have a parlay with the Colts and the Cardinals, both teams down to two and a half points. Well, that's all the time. I have a question. I have a question. Go ahead. Did you see that story where this dude bet? $35,000 $35,000 that the Falcons beat the Cowboys like after the game started just to win like thirteen fifty back and lost. Oh, I'd be sick. He lost $35,000 because they can't hold a 20 point lead. I would be sick. I was like, oh, Justin was shit his pants right now. <laughs> yeah, I I would be sick. That that is a bad beat to end all bad beats right there. I, I feel so sorry for that guy. Could you imagine what was going through his head? A when they didn't pick up the freaking onside kick, and B as soon as that kick went through the uprights. Never too late by three days grace starts playing in the background. <laughs> or cause you had a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all the time we've got for this week. Thank you very much for joining uh, us for this hour-long journey. I'm Justin Cox. I'm Supercam. And we are Between the Uprights.